Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. Father, we commit our time to you, together to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would direct our thoughts. I pray that you would be lifted up in spite of the vehicle, the conduit of the message. I I thank God that you are what we extol and what a great God we have and serve. And so, Lord, thank you for this time of year. We're thankful for the chance we have to come together as saints and celebrate a year as we look behind our shoulder at what you've done and looking forward until you tarry. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful Thank you for the peace of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the knowledge of our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May He be the focus this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Entitled the message this morning, How is Your Peace? I'll ask you a question, how peaceful are you? In Israel, for centuries, the Jews have been uh, meeting and greeting one another with one word. You know what that is in Hebrew? Shalom. That's a pretty easy word. Most folks know that, at least that one Hebrew word. Perhaps a more casual greeting would be mashlomha. Mashlomha, you don't have to try that. When we went to Israel a couple summers ago, we learned a few of these kind of these introductory phrases. Mashlomha literally means, how is your peace? In fact, uh, we would uh, uh, even have a more casual greeting. Um, we also say the words in, we, I say they say the words in Hebrew, uh, shalom Aleikum, Shalom Aleikum, or when you respond, you would say, Aleikum Shalom. Uh, again, peace to you, and you would say in response, and to you, peace, Shalom Aleikum. But I like that little phrase, Mashlom Ha, how is your peace? That's the question today. How are you doing in terms of your peace at heart. God came to bring us peace. Peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It is important to understand that even the word Jerusalem uh, literally means possession of peace. Think about this. In the nearly 6,000 years of human history, uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed at least twice. The city itself is about 3,000 years old. But in the time it's been around, look at this, besieged 23 times, destroyed twice, captured, recaptured 44 times, and attacked 52 times, it remains a city divided. Politically, Jerusalem, though it's called the house or the place or the possession of peace, is not even to this day a place of peace. It will be one day, amen? God will come, the Prince of Peace will establish His rule worldwide during the millennium. But today, it's anything but a peaceful place. In fact, pictures like this tell the story about the city of Jerusalem divided between the Arabs, the Jews, and there's always, it seems like there's always rocks in the air flying through the air and shelling going on around that city. Also, we know that uh, even in our, in our world today, it doesn't seem like there's much peace in the terms of our the fabric of our health. Uh, 5.5 million uh, have been, uh, deaths have been attributed to COVID or the coronavirus, and we still continue to battle this thing. I, I don't know, but a couple years ago when it first started, I thought, certainly in a couple months this will blow through, right? And here we are still 
uh, fighting the virus. 45% of marriages are ending in divorce, and that figure fluctuates a little bit about one out of two marriages on the, on the average end in divorce. And then at the Texas border, if you're aware of this politically, there's this unrest about the immigration. And then, of course, not too long ago in terms of nature, just north of us in Kentucky, uh, via the most lethal hurricane, but the most lethal tornado on record, uh, 77 lives were claimed as that tornado was on the ground some two, 300 miles tremendous swath of destruction. I'm sure there are people in that area that are not at peace right now as they look and examine the rubble of what there formerly was their house. And then just a couple of weeks ago or less, in California, a 6.4 magnitude earthquake rattled Southern California, the strongest in 20 years. I like this little cartoon from um, Schultz. It says this, Charlie Brown speaking, Christmas is coming I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Some people say this time of year is the time when uh, there's a, not only an increased um, excitement about celebrations and get-together, but there's a noticeably higher percentage of folks that take their lives or are very depressed, almost clinically depressed, they say, because of this kind of this um, idea that there is a seasonal affectation of depression, the sad disability, they call it, because they're not at peace in their hearts at all. The question this morning is, how are you doing? How are you doing in your heart? We all know that the peace defined, shalom, or the Greek word, irene, means to restore something that is damaged or to reconcile that which is broken. Peace biblically means to restore what was broken by sin or reconcile a a broken relationship. It makes no sense to hear what the angels say in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read those verses, beginning in verse 10, um, Luke chapter 2. Well, let's go back to verse 7, kind of where John left off for us. And she uh, she brought forth, Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone, exploded in the night sky, the angel of the Lord. And they were sore afraid, terrified is really the meaning there. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly uh, the choir kicked in. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. We didn't know if they sang or not, but they all of a sudden joined this principal angel with the good news, and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace, goodwill toward men. After seeing those pictures, you may think, where is the peace in this world? It makes no sense for the angels to announce peace to a world that was already at peace, already at rest, with no problems at all. Why would a Savior be necessary if our relationships weren't damaged and broken? 
Why would there be this announcement in the night sky that finally to this earth, peace has appeared? I remember a young boy in our house, I won't name him yet. He was four years old when he did this. Uh, But he would circle our living room with this cape made out of a towel with a a little clothespin in the front. And he would zip around in circles. You ever have a four-year-old that just loved to run through the house? Uh, That was this boy. And he would just do this with his cape on, flying behind him. He'd go, I'm here to save the day. And he'd do this, come through the kitchen again. I'm here to save the day. And we had to remind him once in a while, the day is okay. It doesn't need to be saved. We got this. But he, he loved to be that hero in the cape. And Ethan, thank you for saving our world. Well, we would have to agree with the angels that not everything is at peace in the world then, nor is it at peace now. I remember knocking on the door once as I was out on visitation, and the best way I could, I shared the gospel with a man and invited him to trust Christ as his Savior. I remember what he said after I did my best to share the gospel with him. He looked at me and says, what do I need saving for? I'm not lost. And he basically slammed the door, right? There are so many at Christ's first coming, as there are today, that don't understand they're not at peace in their hearts. They don't know that they're lost. And that's the case when we see the first coming. There were some that were anticipating the coming of Christ, but very few. Well, Let's, let's start today by looking just quickly at two or three ideas, the peace breakers. And uh, if you want to turn back to Genesis 3, this is when our war with God began. When did peace leave the building, so to speak, or the garden? Genesis chapter 3, you know the story well, but if you take your Bible and go back nearly to the beginning, not long after creation, you'll see the story in Genesis chapter 3 of how peace eluded us, or it was broken. Now the serpent, verse 1, chapter 3, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, centrally located, ye shall, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. Now maybe that's a little addition to what God had said. Don't eat from the tree. Perhaps Adam had warned her, and honey, don't even touch it. Perhaps in her mind she thought God was already a little bit too cruel and and really forbidding a tree to be eaten of. And so she says, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes, he lies, right, shall be opened. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, when did our war with God begin? And there was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And that's when peace with God was broken. God in His wisdom uh, placed a tree, two trees really, but one that was prohibited to be eaten of in the center of the garden. It was a tree called the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. 
It was given this title in part because it was a tester tree, a proving place. Would they, Adam and Eve, in a perfect world, in an ideal setting, without sin, would they choose, you see God didn't create robots, did He? Would they choose good? Would they choose God? Would they choose loyalty to God in this ideal place? Well, you know the end of the story. But the reason I believe that tree was centrally located, placed in the midst of the garden, was that the proving of their loyalty to God should be continual, personal, volitional, and that it would be central to their core existence. Would they love this God who gave them freely all things to enjoy or not? God placed a test because He always wants the worship of our heart to be volitional from our own hearts, not forced. Well, here was where, under the shade tree, under the shade of this tree, uh, they disobeyed God and broken fellowship entered the scene. Here's where peace with God was lost. Uh, And we lost our peace with God there too. I say we because Adam and Eve represented us. You say, I sure wish I would have been there because I would not have done that. No, you would have done it only sooner. They were the federal head of the human race. And they chose to be disloyal to God, to be disobedient. And the moment they did that, true peace was lost. You see, peace is truly, first of all, a matter of relationship with God. Our fellowship with God was severed by sin. And our war with God is always the result of a choice to believe a lie. You are either at peace with God this morning or you are not, depending on what you believe about God. You ready for this lie? Here's what Eve believed and Adam uh, after her. She believed that there is something that is better, more satisfying for me than obedience, loyalty, and worship to God. Mark it down. If you are in a war with God, unsettled today, It is because you're wrestling with God. You're trying to find your joy or rest outside of Jesus. And we can even see it in your eyes, your hands, your heart. You're holding on to the truth, or (laughs) you're holding on to the lie, excuse me, that there is something, someone, somewhere better than God. That's exactly the lie that came into the garden with the devil. God is... To you, Eve, a little bit unkind. He's unwise. He's unsatisfying. And write it down. The war begins and peace leaves our heart the moment, the same moment, discontentment enters in. It is, that, it is at that moment, and I find this true in my own life, in my personal walk with God, it is the moment that I believe that God in some way is withholding from me something that I should have or could have, Or he's giving to me something that I don't want, that I excuse for a moment at least my own sinfulness. You say, as a preacher, you think that way? Well, in my heart, we do that. We replace God because we think in some way he's unwise, in some way he's unkind to us and unsatisfying. And if you're wrestling with God today, it's because you think that the fruit And think about this for a moment. All those thousands of fruit trees, who knows how many there were in the garden, are not enough 
because you can't have the one that God prohibited to you. And your focus this morning is on what God is withholding from you because you believe that you deserve that one too. Satan always shows up under the tree of forbidden fruit and whispers, God is not good, is he? So our war with God began when we went our own way, chose our own, uh, our own way. Isaiah 53, 6, most of you have been around church long enough, probably memorized this verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And there's where we fell out with God. In fact, God calls us his enemy combatants. Do you know you're born at war with God? I don't know if you see it in your children. And I think our grandson, our latest grandson, Asa, may be the first one that doesn't have... No, I don't mean that. We saw him and held him for three or four days, and that's all we did this Christmas. He was our Christmas gift. Now the other boy's okay, too. We love them all equally. But something about a baby, we just stared in those little eyes and we relearned our baby talk. Oh, that's fun, isn't it? You ought to hear my wife talk baby. Wow. But every child that's born into the world, no matter how cute or cuddly, comes with this new standing. He's he's at war with God. It started in the garden. In fact, God tells us this. Romans 5.10 We're enemies of God. Ephesians 2 says we're dead in sin, children of wrath, separated, strangers to grace, without hope. This is our unsaved condition, our lost condition, our broken peace condition. We are strangers to grace, without hope, and without God in this world. How sad is this picture? How deep is the divide? How necessary then and how wonderful, how exciting to hear the announcement from the angels that night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth because you on your own can't discover or produce peace because God loved you. He's making the journey from heaven to earth. And now in the form of this perfect child, the only one that's ever been born without a sin nature, Jesus Christ, here here is peace. He is the peace child. Went to a college where there was a missionary by the name of Don Richardson. Later, he, of course, went uh, to uh, the mission field, and there he was, uh, God called him to work among two fighting tribes. And uh, he couldn't, he kept praying, Lord, 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 how can we ever get these tribes to understand, first of all, um, the gospel, and then, Lord, here's the tribe that, that, that really glorifies deception and deceit more than any other quote-unquote virtue. Don Richardson writes a book that I recommend called Peace Child. (laughs) And, and, And as arrows were flying between these two tribes, he noticed that that this long-standing feud was finally reconciled temporarily by a peace treaty. And the peace treaty was that there had to be from the other tribe, somebody that would produce a child and bring it to the midst of the council, the circle between these, and say, this is a child from our tribe, and we are giving this child to you. And as long as this child is alive 
and treated well by their enemies, the enemy tribe, then, there'll be a, then we will be at peace. And finally, it clicked in Don's mind. That's exactly what God did for us. He sent us his son, the peace child. And then he writes the book about how they had glorified Judas's deception, but he had no idea that it would be this own, their own tribe's illustration that would bring them to a saving knowledge of the true peace child. Well, the angels come over Bethlehem, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest peace. Restoration, the opportunity to, to resolve and reconcile a broken re- relationship finally has come. Now, peace can be defined a lot of ways, right? But it's not necessarily the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God's reconciling spirit in our hearts. And there were glimmers of this throughout the history of mankind. There were glimmers of hope, a boat that rescued Noah. There were patches of God light in history, a people of God called Israel, called by God to declare His glory, but they fumbled the ball, so to speak. There were band-aids of mercy. There were the prophets, the priests, and the kings, illustrations of God's heart to us. There were road signs of hope, the sacrifices, the signs, the feast days, the celebrations. And there were covenants of hope, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that the prince would come. And the prophets made this hope even clearer in their prophecies about a coming prince. Isaiah, we'll talk about this name for Christ tonight. Isaiah chapter 9 told us a prince of peace is coming. It even told us how this prince would come. Isaiah 7, 14, he'll be born of a virgin. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So there was these prophecies of hope, peace. Micah told us where, Micah 5, 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come prince. One who to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, even from everlasting. Daniel told us when. Daniel 9, 24 through 27, 490 years after the return from Babylon, Messiah would come, and he did. Zechariah told us what he would do, for he is our peace. This one, he would be pierced for our peace, crucified. And Psalm 22 gives us the explicit details of what happened at the cross. Isaiah then would call this suffering chastisement for our peace. God knew, friend, that you could not on your own do anything to bring peace to your heart. You needed the Prince of Peace to come. You see, peace isn't in anything we can buy, purchase, any place we can go. It is in a person. And God provided that for us in His own dear Son. The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Our peace was broken and God needed someone. God sent His own Son to be the reconciliation for us. But all these were just flickering candles in the Old Testament compared to the coming The fulfillment of the coming of God. Jesus came to us because we didn't naturally seek Him. We are the peace breakers. We run from God. We're estranged from God. And the question I have for you this morning, is there anyone looking for peace? Turn with me uh, for a few minutes to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. It's a bit of a trick question. I know that God the Spirit draws us to Himself. Romans 3 makes it clear, though, that in our flesh... Our natural man, 
our unsaved, unregenerate state, we do not naturally seek the Lord. This, this might be a shock to you, but the Lord doesn't say good things about our natural heart. Uh, Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. What does it say about the peace seekers? How many of you um, naturally seek after God? Verse 10, as it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. This is a universal, without exception, description of man's heart. There is none of us that are righteous. You do good things, but in our heart, there is a propensity, a nature that is evil. There's none that seeketh after God. There's the answer. (laughs) They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Our throats are an open sepulcher. With our tongues we've used deceit, the poison of asps under our lips. Our mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in our ways. And what does verse 17 tell us about peace seekers? The way of peace have they not known. There's a song that we sing in church all my life long. I had thirsted, panted for a drink from some cool stream that I thought would quench the burnings of the thirsting for peace in my heart. And then the chorus, hallelujah. (laughs) I have found him. Jesus Christ, the righteousness who provides for me the proper penalty for my sin and payment of it. He stood in my stead, took the wounds rightly that I deserved and took my place on the cross. There dying for me, he exchanges, he offers me his own righteousness, the way of peace. I did not know, I remember as an 11-year-old boy, when the truth of my sinfulness and the inescapable fact that I could not escape from it hit me. And I realized I need the Prince of Peace. I need reconciliation with God. Do you remember the load that was lifted off your heart when you met Christ and prayed what we call the sinner's prayer? You meant it from your heart. Lord, here I am, a sinner. I've tried all kinds of things and ways to find you, perhaps to to build a sense of peace, a rest in my heart. But when I think about death and I think about life, There is an unsettledness in me because I don't possess peace. You might even have lived in Jerusalem, the possession of peace, and realize it's not there. You may have traveled far and wide to find peace, and you haven't. It's not in anything or anybody outside of Christ. I got a gift for Christmas. It is a, a, well, it's a coffee, it's another coffee maker It's an espresso machine. And some of you wrongly believe that your peace and satisfaction starts with a cup of coffee in the morning. And I think I finally found the perfect cup of coffee. It took me about an hour to read the instructions and get help from my son. But I made it. The perfect cup of coffee. Just the right amount of coffee, cream, and then there's this thing that goes in there, makes this loud noise, foam comes up, and it's just the right temperature. You sit down, and you sip that, and you're in coffee heaven. 
But you know, even after drinking the perfect cup of coffee, I looked around at the counter, <clears throat> and we have at least four, maybe five different coffee makers that I thought last Christmas were going to be the perfect cup of coffee. It won't be long before I kind of drink my espresso and think, you know what? There's got to be something better in life than this. Nothing satisfies the soul like Christ. You're seeking for peace. You're not going to find it in anything outside of a relationship with Christ. A man knocked on our church door in Indianapolis. He was asking for some money, a place to stay that night. So I told him, Sir, I'll take you to the rescue mission, the local rescue mission. They'll put you up for a night or two. And he said to me, oh, I've been there. I've been there, he said. And I just have, he said, I have trouble sleeping there with those guys, those bums there. He said, I can't get no peace there. No peace of mind. To him, peace was found in a better place with better people. So rescue to him meant a nice hotel. I don't know if you're a peace seeker or you're looking for relief. Sometimes I have to qualify. What is it I'm really looking for? Is it just relief from the present storm I'm in? Or do I want to have a partnership with Christ himself who claimed in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that are weary, burdened, and laboring in your soul, and you will find what? Peace. Some of you have not found that yet, perhaps because you've been trying to dodge the fact that you're a sinner and you need Christ. He's the answer. Come to Him. Come to the cross. Collapse there. Admit to, admit to Him your sinfulness. Receive from Him the free gift that He offers to you. He is the peacemaker. Luke chapter 1. We'll end our thoughts this morning in Luke just for a moment. Luke chapter 1. I encourage you to turn there. This is what we call Mary's Magnificent when she understands that she's going to be the mother, the human uh, mother, of course. Her womb provided that place where God would nurture this divine embryo, <clears throat> His seed placed miraculously into her womb, and her response to this is found in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 47. Luke 1, 47. Back to 46. Mary said, My soul does magnify the Lord. Huh. And I want you to get, catch the next verse. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Before she even alludes to the fact that this prince that she's carrying will indeed straighten out the affairs of the world, especially Israel. She starts her magnificent by saying, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced. And here's my greatest need in God, my Savior. He is the Savior. Zacharias, who was the human father, of course, of John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1 and verse 68, 69. Turn there, please. Luke 1, Luke 168, 
Blessed be the Lord God. He finally speaks after being, de- uh, being without being power of speech for a number of months. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Speaking of Jesus, who was, um, was soon to be born, and hath raised him up a horn of what? Of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. So here again, the theme of peace through salvation. Blessed be the Lord God. He's redeemed us. He's raised up a horn of salvation. Peace is about reconciliation with the Prince of Peace to be made right with God. Verse 79, we see again uh, this wonderful reminder as he ends his little, uh, his little discussion or his announcement, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the what? The way of peace. Soul, are you troubled this morning? There is a way of peace, and it's found in Christ Jesus. And then Luke 2, we mentioned this verse, verse 14. The angels so excited with the good news that now finally and fully revealed to the world is the Lord Jesus Christ in human form cry out, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Luke 2, 25, uh, again we see another Man who meets the Lord even in his infancy, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the, uh, the temple to be dedicated, Luke 2.25, we see this story as Simeon, the old man, directed by the Spirit to go to the temple and his pathway intersected with the Lord of lords and King of kings in baby form. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, the same man was devout just waiting for the consolation, the peace of Israel. The Holy Ghost was upon him. Are you waiting or do you know that peace? It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple. The parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Can you see this exchange as this old fellow, I picture him with a long white beard, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen what? Thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I hope you understand that what's missing in our lives as unbelievers is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I love the hymn, and we're going to close with it this morning. Uh, The hymn is, O Troubled Soul, Come to Christ. It's found in your hymn book. I'm going to ask uh, Andrew to come and sing it, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I want us to stand together in just a moment and sing that song. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.